Welcome to the message on walking in peace. You know, I believe the number one thing the Lord has for us is he wants us to walk in peace in no matter what is going on in our life. And, you know, growing up, my grandma taught me a song, and it was by W.G. Cooper, and I'm only going to read uh, three of the verses. It goes, peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. What a treasure I have in this wonderful peace, buried deep in the heart of my soul, so secure that no power can mine it away while the years and eternity roll. I am resting tonight in this wonderful peace, resting sweetly in Jesus' control, for I am kept from all danger by night and by day, in his glory is flooding my soul. I really believe in the depths of my heart that that's exactly what Jesus wants for each and every Christian. For each and every person on the face of this planet, whether they know it or not, it is God's desire to give us all his peace. And you know, when you have that peace that, can, that passes all understanding, you can walk in the midst of circumstances and trials, and you can make it through in flying colors. Now, there are three scriptures I want to look at kind of as a launching pad as we go into this. And the first one is John 14, 27, where Jesus says, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So, if Jesus said, my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you, then what happens when we have peace one minute and it's gone the next? Well, I can really tell you what's happening. And many times we allow the circumstances of life to rob our peace when, when really, uh, if Jesus gives us peace, the reason he doesn't give it as the world gives, if he gives it to you, no one can take it away from you and I unless we allow them to. John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now, it's interesting. I'm going to stop right there. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So what that tells me is this. What he's saying is you can have peace and allow, unless you allow the world to take it away. And then he goes on and he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So he's telling you ahead of time, he's telling you and I ahead of time that in the midst of the trouble, we can have peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now that word peace right there in, in that scripture is in the Hebrew, shalom, shalom. And shalom is everything that you and I need for peace, God gives us. And in Shalom, there's everything we need for our finances, our health. I mean, everything we need in life is wrapped up in the Shalom that God gives. And I pray for you today that God would give you his Shalom, that his peace would flood your heart no matter what the circumstances are. Now let's look at some keys today. And uh, these keys will help us to be able to plug into peace, but also to help us to walk in that peace on a day-to-day -day basis, no matter what our circumstances are, or no matter what is happening around us. And the first key is this. 
The first thing that we need to do each and every day is we need to plug into the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6 for, says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. You might say, well, how do you plug into that? How do you plug into the Prince of Peace? Well, this is going to sound silly, but go to him in prayer and say, Look, Lord, by faith I'm coming to you today. I am plugging into your presence. I am plugging into your peace. Lord, I am asking by faith that your peace would flow through me. It's already been bought and paid for by the cross. Jesus died so that we might have peace with God. So just plug in. You know what? It's not about you and I be, being worthy enough. It's about what he's already done for us. So, you know what? You are worthy and I am worthy to plug into that peace because of what he did for us on the cross. And I am so grateful. It's not about being good enough or working hard enough. It's just about accepting and receiving all that God has done for us. The second key in walking in peace is that if you know that you're living in sin or if you know that you're living a way that in, in life that God doesn't want you to live and you know that you're kind of away from God, you just need to uh, repent of any sin that, that is there in your life. Or just think of it this way. Just make a choice today to turn from the way that you are living and turn to God and to see things differently in your life. You know what? It isn't the Lord that's condemning you. It isn't the Lord that's stopping you from coming back to him. That's the enemy because the Lord wants you to come to him. He has his arms open to you. Listen to what Acts 3.19 says. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins might be blotted out so that, now listen to this, the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You know, sometimes our own behaviors and things that we are doing to displease God Stop his refreshing presence from coming to us. And all you need to do really is to go back to him because he's waiting for you. And if you'll go to him and say, look, Lord, I've blown it. I've really goofed up. Please forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me clean. His presence will again refresh you in a new and living way. The third key is this. If we're going to live and walk in peace, we must be willing to forgive those that have hurt us. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean it was okay. Forgiveness doesn't mean you let down your boundaries and uh, you let people run over you. Forgiveness means, look, Lord, you know what? I'm going to take myself out of prison because the, forgive, the unforgiveness that I have in my heart is really keeping me from living an abundant life. Because you know what? When you're unforgiving, you've got metal torment, you have stress, you have anxiety, you have depression, and all of these things are overwhelming. And so it says in Matthew 6.15, if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. So therefore, we need to live in a lifestyle of peace. It's just a lifestyle of forgiveness. It's just not forgiving once. But it's learning to live in the lifestyle of forgiveness. And oftentimes, we have people around us that are like repeat offenders. You'll have people that you need to forgive more than once. It's like Peter, when he came to Jesus, 
He said, Lord, how many times must I forgive? Seven times? And Lord said, no, Peter, 70 times seven. And what Jesus was telling Peter was, look, Peter, forgiveness needs to be a part of your life for the rest of your life. So this is really key. You know, I often ask people one simple question. How much mercy do you want on the day of judgment? Well, you and I want all the mercy we can get. So when we turn people over to God and ask him to deal with them, to, to, we take them off our hook and we give them to God and we say, God, you deal with them in your time and in your way and in your love and in your mercy. You bring the judgment. You do what you need to do to bring this person back online. When we do that, what, what we're doing is we're really turning them over to the mercy of God so that someday when we ourselves stand before God, we'll be able to receive that same type of mercy. Now, I know about me, I want that same type of mercy someday when I stand before God. I want him to be very merciful to me. And yet when we work with people or we have people in our life that are repeat offenders, it's really easy for that to rob our peace. So we do need boundaries. You need to act in wisdom, and you, knew, you do need wise counsel at times to get through situations and to know what to do in certain cases. So this is very important. The fourth key to walking in peace is that we must put the past behind us. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take a hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on to win the goal, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now this was written by Paul, a man that used to be called Saul. And before he became a Christian, he killed Christians. He had a lot of regrets. He had a lot of things he did wrong. And you know, when he came to Christ and Christ redeemed him, he had to put his past behind him in order to get into his future. And you know what? Sometimes we can't put our past behind us because we are struggling and we still need healing from the past. And you know, I have a friend in Africa, he says, you know what? He said, I see you in the future and you look much better than you do right now. But also, you know, he also says to get into your future, you must let go of your past. And you know, he said, it's interesting, he said, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. So he's telling you at times, it's not easy to put the past behind you. It's something that you really have to work at. One of the ways you know that you've put the past behind you is that you're not keeping a record of wrongs no more. Let the past go, tear up your record of wrongs. In fact, Give your record of wrongs that you're holding against people to Jesus and let him take that record over. Let him deal with it. Give that up and you'll have a lot more peace. Number, the fifth key to walking in peace is this. Look for the Lord in the midst of your circumstances. Isaiah 43, 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. 
Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. So many times when I've been in my circumstance in life, I have wanted the Lord to take me out of that circumstance. But you know, the Lord has never taken me out of a circumstance. He has always delivered me through the circumstances of life. And it is so key that we're in the, when we're in the middle of the circumstance, Lord, where are you in this circumstance? Where are you, Lord, in this situation? When we pray and we ask him to reveal himself to us, he's going to be faithful to the, us in that. He's going to show us where he is. Now, you might not find him right away. You might have to look a little bit to see him. But, you know, I'll guarantee you in the middle of your circumstance, you are not alone. He is there wanting to take you by the hand and walk with you. And he says this, you know, when you walk through the water, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be set ablaze. And he said the rivers will not sweep over you. He is speaking there in absolutes that this is a sure thing you could take to the bank. Now, I want to say this in the midst of circumstances. They sure seem like they're going to sweep over us, and they sure seem like they're going to be too much for us. So look for him in the midst of your circumstances because he is there with you. Sixth key to walking in peace is uh, receiving healing for your soul wounds. You see, the wounds of our past can actually hinder us from having peace in the present and peace in the future. When I talk about soul wounds, I talk about the, the, the soul, mind, spirit, body connection. And it kind of goes like this. I call it soul slivers. When you have an event that happens in your life, it kind of sticks in your soul like a sliver does in your hand. If you have a wooden sliver in your finger and you don't take it out and you leave it in there, it's going to get infected. And eventually the hand will be infected. It'll go up to the heart. It'll go up your arm right to your heart. And eventually it'll have a detrimental effect on your health. Now, it's the same way in your soul. If you don't get healing from the wounds of the past, these slivers of events stick like slivers in your soul. And they get infected. And the soul, the Bible tells us, is the seat of the intellect, will, and emotions. And so the first thing to be affected is the mind because a soul infection will look something like bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, resentment, hatred, rage. I mean, you can, depression, you can name many things. And what happens is if, that beca if we don't get help and healing for our soul slivers and for the things in our soul, then what happens is eventually all that anxiety begins to affect our minds. And then we go to the doctor, and the doctor puts us on a medication. And so then we begin to cope. Now, I want to say right up front, thank God for medications, because without them, we would not cope very well in life. And a lot of times, medications really help people spare their life, and they help us at spiritual care be able to work with them because then they're calm enough to talk about the things that they need healing from. But eventually what happens, you go to your doctor, you get on a couple of medications, and now you're coping with life, but what you're doing is you're maintaining. So in other words, you can reach a level of healing, but you only get so far because the things in your soul have not been dealt with. And so if you're struggling with the things of the past, 
And maybe you don't think about it every day, but when the chips are down, those things come flooding to your mind. That's a sign that you have a soul wound that God wants to heal. And I want to give you some good news today. He can bring healing to those wounds quickly. It doesn't have to take years and months. It can happen in an instant when the presence and the glory of God floods your soul. He can take away that pain and heal up that wound. In fact, the Bible calls him Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Now, the word Rapha also has the connotation of that he is the great physician. Now, there's medication for the mind. There's medication for the body. But there's no medication that you can give to heal the soul. Only the bomb of Gilead, only the presence of Jesus Christ, only his glory and his light and his love and his presence can truly heal us and transform us. So receiving healing for your soul wounds is key in walking in peace and keeping your peace. But also, not only that, uh, if you're going to walk in peace, you really got to stand on the promises of God. The promises of God become a weapon for you to fight with. He says, I am with you. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear thou not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So you know what? You've really got to stand on the promises of God at times to keep your peace because I don't know if you've been like me. Sometimes I wondered if the Lord knew what he was really doing because things seem to be getting out of control. Things seem to be going downhill. I'm really wondering where the Lord is in the midst of my circumstance. And you might be in the very same thing and you might be wondering the very same thing. So you know what? When you're in the midst of the circumstance, you've got to keep your eyes fixed on the eternal and not the temporal. So in other words, the, the things that are really eternal are the unseen things. The Bible says we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is unseen is eternal, and what is seen is a temporary. So you know what? It's very important for us to keep our eyes on what is unseen. You know, the Bible says in <clears throat> Hebrews 12, 1, that we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy before him endured the cross. So in order to get through your uh, situation that might seem like a cross that you're bearing or a hard time, you've really got to get, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Now that word, <clears throat> the author and the perfecter of your faith, means that he is both the beginning and the ending line to the race. He is both the starting point and the ending point. You know, if you're running a long-distance race, when times get hard, you always keep your eye upon the finish line in your mind's eye. And you look for those people along the way that are cheering you on in your race. You know, in the midst of the circumstance, I want to say, that's what you need to do. As you're standing on God's promises, look for other people that are standing on God's promises because those people are there. God has put them there in your life and in my life to help us, to inspire us, to keep us going forward. You know, growing up, 
I had a neighbor. He became like a second spiritual dad to me. He believed in me. He loved the Lord. He showed me what it meant to be a Christian, how to walk out my Christian life. And we all need those people because when we're standing on the promises of God, you need somebody else that's standing on the promises of God right with you. You also need other people around you. Find those people that have went through the storms you have, are going through and find those people that have made it through those storms and ask them how they did it. You know, find somebody who walks in peace 100% of the time. Find someone who seems to be full of peace. Get by them. Learn from them. And you know what? You'll be right on because God truly wants you to walk in peace. And you know what? To walk in peace, you really have to hold on to the promises of God each and every day. And you must keep your eyes on God's promises. Now, number eight, here's the eighth key to walking in peace. And I love this scripture. I call it the eighth point is follow the Philippians 4, 4 through 9 process. Now, if you have your Bible with you, I would invite you to turn over to the scripture and pause this CD because I'm going to walk through Philippians 4, 4 through 9 and explain how this gives a process that if you will follow this scripture and follow this process that I'm going to lay out before you right now, you can walk in peace each and every day of your life. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I am saying that you can do it. Now, as I read this scripture, I might stop and talk about uh, a phrase. I might stop and talk about a word. So follow me as I go through this. Now, I'm going to be reading out of the New International Version of the Bible. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, I want to stop there. Honestly, I don't feel like rejoicing especially when I'm in a circumstance and I'm having a hard time. I am not feeling right rejoicing or praising his name. But you know what? Rejoicing and praising the Lord is all about keeping a right perspective and attitude in the midst of your circumstance. Listen to what he says. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. It's always good to recognize in the midst of your trial or tribulation or circumstance that the Lord is near. Then he goes on in verse 6 and he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So what he's saying here is this. Every day, go before the Lord, go to the Lord in prayer, rejoice, praise him, take your prayers, your petitions, and your thanksgiving, and bring them before the throne of heaven. Don't be anxious. Bring the anxiousness. Bring the anxiety to heaven. In fact, I want to encourage you, when anxiety and depression and all that stuff come around you, ask Jesus to throw that stuff into hell where it came from. You know, those things torment us. And uh, then he says in verse 7 that if we will bring our thanksgivings, our prayers, petitions, and if we will rejoice, here's what verse 7 says. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart, which is your soul, and your mind in Christ Jesus. So in other words, what it's saying here is if you will follow this process, you can have peace that transcends all understanding. 
you can have peace in the midst of the worst circumstance and trial, and other people can look at you and say, how in the world do you do it? Why is it that you have peace when you're going through what you're going through? And so it gives a process, but it's interesting here. The writer doesn't stop here. He goes on in verse 8 and says, Finally, my brothers. Now he goes from the prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings, telling you what to do. Now he's going to say, after you have done this, let me share with you what to keep your mind focused on. Verse 8. Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Wow. Now, he's, what he's sharing with us is this. Now, after you have brought the Lord your anxiety, your depression, your burdens, after you have brought him your praises, your prayers, your rejoicing, and everything like that, he's saying, look, now change your way you think. Start thinking on things that are pure, lovely, and good report. Get rid of that negative thought process in your mind and put your mind on the things of God. Find a scripture or a promise that means a lot to you. Put your mind on that and God. Now listen to what he says will happen. And verse 9 says this, Whatever you have learned or received or heard or seen in me, put into practice, and that's the key. If you don't put it into practice, it isn't going to work. And the God of peace will be with you. One day when I was reading this, all of a sudden I recognized something. Up in verse 7, it says, we can have the peace of God, but then in verse 9 it says, and we can have the God, a new reality that the God of peace is with you. And I began to wonder one day, why does he say peace of God and down below he says the God of peace? Well, what he's saying to us, I believe, is if you will follow this process, God will bring, will allow you to walk in peace at a whole new level, in a whole new way that you've not experienced in your life. And you can have a whole new reality that you not only have peace, but that the God of peace is or will be with you. What a powerful thought. And I believe that these are like the keys that we need to walk successfully, to walk in peace, these eight keys are key in the process. Now, obviously, as you look into this subject and as you seek God for this subject, you will realize that probably there are more keys. But you know what? Take these eight keys and put them into practice, and you will be able to walk in peace. One of the things I like to do when I end a teaching is I actually like to uh, end the time in prayer because I know that God will have many people that will listen to this message who need a new level of peace in their life. So I would invite you to find a quiet place and get yourself in a comfortable position. Don't pray. Just sit there quietly and receive whatever that looks like. Do that. Now, don't worry about what you do or do not feel. Just trust God that he desires to touch you 
and bring a change and peace in the midst of your circumstance. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you, Jesus, the Prince of Peace and the Mighty Counselor. I ask God right now in the name of Jesus that you would be with each and every person that is listening to this today. Father, they might be battling with stress, anxiety, depression, hopelessness, and fear. Father, I pray that you would blow those things away like the wind drives the clouds away on a stormy day. And I pray that your light would shine from heaven. And I pray, Lord, that you would minister the balm of Gilead to each and every person that is listening today. I pray that they would experience healing, body, mind, soul, and spirit. I pray that they would have a new reality of how the God of peace is with them in the midst of their circumstance. Lord, I pray for those today that are facing situations that have things going on and they don't know how they're going to get through. Like Moses who faced the Red Sea, he didn't know how you were going to part the water. But Lord, you made a way. You parted the water and they went through on dry ground and you dealt with the enemy that they were facing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for such an overwhelming peace. I pray that that peace would flood each and every person from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. I prayed for renewed hope for marriages, ministries, life in general. Lord, I don't know what people are dealing with, but you are. You are Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd, and Jehovah Jireh, our provider, and Jehovah Rothe, our healer. Lord, I call upon your name, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And I ask that you would touch each and every person and totally saturate every fiber of their being with your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for joining me today. And if you would like to learn more about the ministry of spiritual care consultants, I would invite you to visit our website, www.spiritualcareconsultants.com or email me at gale, G-A-L-E, at spiritualcareconsultants.com. Now, I want to thank you for joining me, and I want you never to forget that the Prince of Peace is with you. This podcast is brought to you by Thornapple Flooring and Furniture, where beautiful homes begin.